0: Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. Uh, Melinda and I having a bit of a chat today, the day after a Melbourne Cup. Finally, feels like a long time since a Melbourne Cup was run um, with with crowd. Um, It was good to have it back this year and it was nice to have a little bit of a break during work to um, go and have a a catch up with some of our staff and some other people.
0: Yes, welcome back, everybody. Uh, We've got a cracking episode today. It's something that a lot of property buyers don't think about. um, And with some changes coming into effect in Queensland legislation, we feel this is a really critical um, a piece of information for property buyers to understand, especially if you are a property investor. And the big topic for today is all about preventative maintenance. Yeah.
1: So I might get a little bit of a say in this one. So <laughs> it's probably something we do a lot with our clients um, when they come and work with us. We talk to them about not just improvements on properties through refurbishment, renovations, those types of things, but also maintenance and preventative maintenance. Um, I, I'm a big believer of doing some preventative maintenance on properties. Uh, it's going to save you money down the track, and if you keep those little things up regularly, uh, they can save you big dollars, um, which is which is really important, I think.
0: And I think the the thing that um, is important to keep in mind is that. When you are doing any types of works on a property, you've got to remember that the cost of those works will be the same, regardless of whether you're doing them on a property that's worth $100,000 or a property that's worth. $500,000, $500,000, you know, the cost of labor and the cost of materials will be similar. Of course, if you're choosing different fixtures and fittings in renovations, the cost will be higher depending on the specification that you use. But generally speaking, when we're talking about maintenance, it's the thing that doesn't add value. It's a thing that prevents future cost. And, you know, we are going to highlight a lot of the areas that we see on Brisbane properties where spending a little bit of money up front will save you a lot of money down at the track and I think that um, you know it's a good way for investors, especially, to think, but also homeowners, because you know it's surprising how many homeowners you know forget about the little things and then have a big problem to deal with down the track.
1: Yeah, we do it ourselves. I mean, with properties that we have, you know, I'll, I'll get a landscape, well, landscape gardener type of guy um, that I know um, locally here, and I'll get him to go out every year and, and just give the gardener once over, go and trim some trees, clean out the the rubbish, the extra leaves and branches that are falling down. Give it a good cleanup, weed it, clean it all up so it's just nice and low maintenance. Um, Doing that thing every year is really important. Same with the handyman. Get them out, just whether it's a pre-Christmas thing or whatever it may be, just be careful pre-Christmas because they're generally pretty busy. Um, But pick a time when you can actually talk to them and say, look, whenever you can fit it in, can you go around to the property, organise it with the property manager um, and just get, get something done there so that it it just saves you money down the track. The little bit of maintenance will save you a lot of money.
0: So the big thing um, and the big reason why this becomes even more important for property investors especially is that Queensland has new tenancy laws coming into effect. Now you may or may not have heard about the Housing a housing Legislation Amendment Act, uh, which was just released in October, 2021, so a couple of weeks ago. Now this actually makes amendments to the Residential Tenancy and Rooming Accommodations Act that was written out in 2008. So ultimately it is very important for property owners who are renting a property out to tenants to understand these amendments because these amendments will now include minimum housing standards. Now, we do have a little bit of time to bring any properties up to compliance levels. In fact, the amendments will only apply to new leases that are entered into from the 1st of September, 2023. So a little bit of time there, but it will apply to all tenancies from the 1st of September, 2024. So we do have a little bit of time, however, There will be a lot of properties potentially that are now currently non-compliant. It is still possible to buy a property and not have it compliant with these new legislation, these new laws that are coming into effect. So if you don't know what the minimum standards are, and if you don't know, what you need to look for. This is going to be an episode where you will get a much better understanding of what you need to look out for.
1: So, so in a sec, what I'll do is I'll get you to run through some of those um, laws that are coming in. <clears throat> when I um, look, when I do go to a building and pest inspection, there's probably three major items that I look for um, when I go out there. They are basically the big three to me: are, are structural. So, any any structural defects or items like that, um, termites. Um, Some properties have had termite damage in the past. That can be fixed, there's no major issue there as long as it's not huge structural issues. Um, Generally that that can all be fixed, but you you wanna make sure that there's no live termites, that everything's treated and everything's everything's okay. And the other one is water ingress. Now water ingress can be from uh, the roof, having a leak through the roof. It can also be little things like um, taps leaking, drains leaking, and, and waterproofing, breaking down in showers, things like that. They're the big three ticket items I look for. The other things that come up sometimes in a building and pest are um, just basically cosmetic things. So things that can be fixed. Look, it's a second-hand house if it's not brand new. Um, you know, and you will get little issues like that. So I'll run through a few things um, that I do see and some maintenance things, but I'll get Melinda just to run through some of these um, legislations that are coming in.
0: So in regards to the prescribed minimum standards, um, you know, based on those three items that we consider almost deal breakers for us with our clients, the number one minimum standard that's coming in is that a property must be weatherproof and structurally sound. So you will not be able to rent out a property that has structural issues, um, nor will you be able to rent out a property that has any uh, water ingress issues. It must be weatherproof. There can't be any leaking roofs um, or, you know, water water puddling through windows or anything like that through heavy storm events um it must be a waterproof house so scott what are some of the things that um you can do to rectify in the event that you find that there's some water ingress issues
1: so look everything is fixable too by the way um when we talk about these deal breakers um if, the, if it's not really really critical that is but um you know, things are fixable. So if, if people know what they're talking about and know what they're looking for, you can fix things. A couple of things to help and, and preventative wise on a couple of those things. When you look at the, say the water ingress from from the roof, check the roof, check the gutters. Okay, make sure the water's getting away, it's going down the drains as it should be. Uh, a couple of areas that I do see quite a lot on that is gutters being full of, full of leaves. Mm. So leaves and debris from trees, Couple of tips, make sure the trees are cleared away from the house. I generally have a bit of a rule that you don't want trees within two meters of a house. Okay, if you wanna try and keep things away, there's a couple of reasons that, one is the root system can actually affect the foundations down the bottom, um, but also the leaves and everything from the trees going up above the roof. Make sure the the, the trees are cut back so that you don't get so many leaves that are, that are falling into the, uh, the roof and in the gutters. And the other one is just simply some gutter guard. Mm. Get someone to put some gutter guard in the in the, in the uh, gutters and that'll actually prevent the leaves building up in there. The leaves will, will break down and they'll turn into basically into mud um, and dirt and that'll actually block your drains more, not just your gutters. They can also rust out your gutters. Mm. So your gutters rust out, you, you get water bubbling over and into your, to your roof and leaking. Um, can cost you a lot of money down the track compared to some simple gutter guard. It's a pretty cheap item to do. Um, and that's a good way to keep some um, keep that water away from leaking into your roof.
0: I know when inspecting a house, it's something that um, a lot of property buyers don't think to look for, but it's simple to look up when you are outside and just exp- have a look at, um, you know, whether the gutters are rusted or whether they are in good condition. It's sometimes a telltale sign in terms of um, additional costs that you will have to ensure that a property may be weatherproof in the future. Look, external leaking um, onto the outside, that's fine. However, over time, if that buildup, as Scott mentioned, um, can continue to occur, you get a backlog of water and it can actually, you know, fall into the roof cavity. And that's when you're going to have an issue in relation to these tenancy laws. And look, no, no one wants to live in a home that's leaking, especially in heavy downpours of rain. So, you know, there's some very easy maintenance tips that uh, Scott's provided that can help you to ensure that you don't have that as a problem in the future.
1: If we come down a bit lower from the roof section, just the ground. Have a look at the ground, have a look at the falls and make sure that the dip, I mean not every block is a flat block of land, okay? Even if it is a flat block of land, you want to try and have it so that the ground falls away from the house a little bit. If you're on a, a, site, a site that is a bit of a slope, make sure again, try and make sure that the slope falls away from the house. If it's front to back, obviously then it's going down, but you want to direct things away from the house. Put some drains, at if it's say, for example, the blocks falling down towards the house, put some drains at the edge of the house and make sure you can catch that water if it does go there and then outlet away from the property so that you get that water draining away from your house and not down the base of it.
0: Makes sense. And look, you know, just having a look at some of the other minimum standards, um, you know, we need to ensure that fixtures and fittings are in good repair and not likely to cause injury to a person. Now, you know, I think that that's common sense and most property owners already uh, should be providing, you know, fixtures and fittings that are in a good state of repair. Uh, But an interesting one, locks must be provided on all windows and doors. Now, I know just through the inspections that we do that there are a lot of properties where you find that windows don't actually have locks. You know, they've got a catch, um, but not a lock. So that's a big one, especially for property owners that um, may need to put locks on every window. Um, you know, there's a couple of years to do that, but um, that's something that needs to be done. It's a maintenance cost that, you know, you need to allow for if you are looking at a property now that you are looking to rent out because these tenancy laws will, in, will be coming into effect very soon.
1: And, and, and just another one on that one, if you want to save a couple of dollars, You don't have to get the most expensive locks. You can just get something nice and simple and basic. When you get to to save some money, pull up these little things that, you know, if you've got five or 10 things you want to do on the property and there's another five or 10 that you think, I might do them, but I might do them down the track. It's actually going to be cheaper if you do it all in one go. If you've got a tradesman out there or a handyman, whatever it may be, to actually get them to do all the work in one go is going to save you money, believe it or not. Even though it's going to, they're going to be there a little bit longer, it's that the next time if they come back, it's an extra call-out. If some of them do charge call-out fees, it's that extra call-out, the extra setup and everything else. If they're there and they're doing work and they're doing locks, to put on two locks compared to 10, it's actually going to save you money, believe it or not, down the track because they're there. They've got the tools out. They're ready to go.
0: The other thing is privacy coverings. So that is going to be a prescribed minimum standard. All windows and doors must have privacy coverings. So some form of curtain or blind must cover every window. Now, that's an interesting one because I know a lot of properties that we see or buy don't have privacy coverings. So that is a cost that um, you will need to incur as an investor before these minimum standards come into effect as well, something that you need to allow for between now and then.
1: Again, Keep it, keep it simple. Um, they don't have to be the best window coverings. You know, you can get your standard height um, curtains. Um, again, your handyman, will, he'll put them up for you. There's no problem there. You don't have to get a, a fancy curtain place out to come and do it all. Um, they can just put them up as long as you just buy the standard off the, off the rack um, height and just go, you know, 2400, whatever the drop is, and um, just put the standard ones up. They'll do them at the same time that they're doing all this other work.
0: This is a big one. Um, So another prescribed minimum standard is for the premises to be free of vermin, damp and mould. Now, this is probably one of the biggest um, problems that we do see in properties, especially mould. We do see a lot of bathrooms and or kitchens that will have some form of mould in some locations. Now, Obviously, there's a lot of things as a property owner that you can do or install to prevent the buildup of mould. But when we know that the legislation amendment is going to require all homes to be free of mould before they can be rented out, perhaps some of the tips Scott's about to give you will be useful.
1: So mould is generally built up when you, let's say, for example, you're in a bathroom um, and, and people love to do this, especially in the wintertime. They love to go in and have a nice hot shower let the steam build up in the room, it keeps themselves warm, <laughs> then get out and get dried and go and get dressed. You need to get rid of that moist, yeah. soft, warm air, basically. Get rid of it. The, the biggest tip I have on that one is to put an exhaust fan in. Um, in your. Um, I, I, do, I make sure we have an exhaust fan in a toilet and an exhaust fan in a bathroom. The exhaust fan in the bathroom, both of them actually for, for this point, get your electrician to connect it up directly to the light switch. Okay, that way your tenant, when they go in and they turn the light on, the exhaust fan will come on. So often you just see people walk in, they'll turn the light on and it's a cold morning and they close the window and they go, oh, I won't turn the exhaust fan on because it's a bit too cold. That's where you'll get your mould, okay? The moisture will build up, it'll sit on the ceiling. They might leave for the day, close the door and that moisture just sits there and it'll actually turn into mould. It'll, it'll start to grow. Once mould grows, you've actually got to kill the mould. You can't just wipe it off and paint over it. It'll keep coming back. You need to actually treat it and get rid of it and kill it before you paint over it as well. So the biggest tip I have on that, all wet areas, toilets, bathrooms, put an exhaust fan in, get your electrician to connect it directly to the light switch so they come on together.
0: And the other area that we often see a lot of mould is obviously in the shower or the bath, um, in the grout or in the sealant areas, um, and also in the kitchen. And I know with a lot of the properties that we buy, one of the things that we would always recommend is to replace that sealant straight away. Scott, what have you got to add to that?
1: Yeah, every every time we, we get a new property for a client, it's it goes on every one of my lists, actually, um, grout and sealant. And they people just say, oh, what's wrong with the grout and sealant? I just recommend to do it. It's good preventative maintenance. It's not a costly thing. Um, you can get someone to come in, they can literally cut the sealant out, give it a good clean, reseal it all, um, a lot of them they do these days are, they say they're mold resistant. Um, I've never seen one that never lasts forever, but that does last forever. But, you know, get new sealant in, they can clean the grout out. Some of them, if you need to replace the grout, they can actually scratch the out grout out, replace it, new sealant. It just allows the water to flow away nice and quick. Dirty tiles will actually hold more moisture as well. So, the dirty tiles will actually hold that moisture. You'll build up more grout. Um, The other, the other, uh, the other mold, sorry. Um, The the other one that I would give you a tip, if if you're looking at doing a bit of a refurb or any kind of bathroom, um, I know that some people, I'm not probably the designer or the uh, interior designer on this side of it, but um, usually use large tiles, just get yourself like a 600 by 300 tile. The larger the tile, the less grout, the less grout, the less cleaning. So, bigger tiles, especially in rental properties, if you if you can go bigger tiles, you'll have less grout and you'll have less mould and less cleaning.
0: And um, rising damp, I know that we have um, read reports where this has been a problem. That's a really difficult thing to remove once it is a problem in a home, something that people need to be aware of, because that's also on Um, the minimum housing standards that are coming into effect. If you own a rental property that has an issue with rising damp, that's going to be quite a costly exercise. So, you know, big tip there for any property buyers yet to buy, make sure that if you see any sign of rising damp in a building and pest report that you're jumping on that and and you understand the cost to rectify because that's not as easy as um, some people may think.
1: Yeah, the rising damp, again, this probably comes back a little bit to that tip I had earlier about falling away from the house if you're not letting moisture get in under the house and it's falling away, you'll have less issues. Okay. Generally the rising damp, it's usually in areas that are, that are actually quite small and very difficult to get into too. So it's also hard to treat. Um, make sure you get good fall away from the property. That will help a lot. Another one you do see in some of the older houses, um, we call it brick fretting. Um, What it is is where the the bricks actually, the outside of the brick, it'll start to crumble a little bit. You can actually rub them and and the brick will actually crumble off in little pieces. Um, Brick fretting is actually where, again, it's that moisture coming up, the moisture's in under the ground, the brick, it'll absorb the moisture um, and it'll go up into the brick. And then over time, it'll actually start to fret and it'll actually start to break away. You can treat it, you can seal it, um, the bricks, and you can actually try and prevent that from getting worse can last for a long time goes goes for years and years but again that's that moisture underneath so drainage away from the house make sure you don't have moisture sitting under there and you'll actually probably help a lot of that rising damp issue as well
0: and then the third one there the premises are to be free of vermin I guess that covers all types of vermin including white ants which are one of the things that a lot of people are concerned about but um you know it would capture all types of vermin so Uh, Preventative maintenance for that sort of Scott.
1: Yeah, look, the biggest one on the the vermin side of it is is definitely at a minimum. I would say an absolute minimum is an annual inspection. Um, Get someone to go out, treat for cockroaches and things like that. They'll spray. The same guy can do the whole job for you. They can spray the house. They can give it an inspection and they can treat everything. Can check everything for termites and all other vermin. Um, That's a minimum for me is is to do an annual pest inspection on the property. The other one, depending on the property and how they're built, if you've got more like, um, for example, your brick houses, um, visual barriers, uh, make sure the weep holes are cleared. Some of the brick houses, you can actually do a perimeter treatment as well. On on all all houses, you can do perimeter treatments um, where they'll put a barrier around the property. If there's concrete around there, they can drill every 200 millimeters, they inject into them. If there's no concrete and it's dirt, they will put a reticulation system where they'll put the pipe in under the ground and they can actually inject into that and that'll actually help prevent it as well. Your timber houses up on stumps, whether it's steel stumps, concrete stumps, um, the timber stumps, you've generally got the older type of homes where they'll have the ant capping. So that's the metal capping, which which basically breaks the barrier from the, the ground in the lower section to the, the top part of the house. Make sure the ant cappings neat and tidy Also, if you've got a a Queenslander that they built them with a concrete slab and then they put the end capping on, you're supposed to have a minimum of 75 mil visual barrier. That visual barrier is just something you can see and you can inspect. When you're looking for termites, they don't like light. They like moist, dark areas. So if it's something they have to go out in the light, they won't go there. They wanna be inside, they don't wanna be seen. They're quite smart and they will stay in the dark and look for that soft, yummy timber.
0: So a lot of the um, properties that we inspect, um, you know, some of them have gardens, lovely gardens, right up against the house and, you know, they might be freshly mulched and quite often that visual termite barrier has been breached. So, you know, it's a big one that we often see in that um, the landscaping and the gardens that surround a house can often be Uh, a maintenance risk for the future, because it's what you're not seeing behind that garden um, that becomes the issue in terms of, you know, termite activity.
1: Yeah, all those gardeners are not going to like me as much here, but (laughs) I'm not a big fan of gardens up against buildings. Um, That is, to me, that's just, you're putting moisture against the building, you're putting darkness up against the building, you're just encouraging, you're putting basically an attraction and a food barrier, it's just ready for termites to go there. Get the moisture away from the building. Perfect scenario for me is a concrete path all the way around a house. I love it. Concrete path falling away from the house. You can actually treat it. You can put termite barriers in there. The water runs away. Termites won't go through there. It's it's a good. It's a it's a perfect scenario. If you have those gardens there, make sure they're down lower. Make sure you get clearance from the weep holes. Make sure it falls away from the building. Um, and even though the mulch looks lovely, just make sure it's kept down low. Um, you can get things like cypress mulch as well. Termites, um, cockroaches don't like it. Um, so that's a good thing as well. Um, the other one is just be careful of, um, especially up here in Queensland, we put uh, air conditioners in our houses. The drain, when the air conditioner runs, there will be water that will drip away from that. Generally, they, it goes through what they call a tundish drain. That, ideal for that, when it comes outside, perfectly connect it to the stormwater line. Uh, it's not supposed to go down the sewer. It's actually supposed to go into a stormwater. Um, So connect it up to the stormwater line is ideal. If you don't have a downpipe or a stormwater line, generally what they do is they run it on the ground, try and get it at least 300 millimetres away from the house. Again, it keeps that moisture away from the house, prevents termites, prevents damage to foundations and things like that as well.
0: You can see how a lot of these very minor uh, little things, over time, can really lead to significant maintenance costs. So understanding what to look for upfront, and understanding, you know, how to. Um, perform some works to prevent some future costs can make a big difference especially if you are a property investor and you're not at the home consistently to see the condition of the property as a home owner obviously over time you have the ability to maintain the property but um, you know in any case it's just important to understand some of the things that do become a problem when they are left un- unrepaired.
1: And the only other thing I did, didn't touch on as well on the outside was was things like retaining walls and fences. I know they're not a structure of the house and people tend to not really look at them, especially when they go to inspections. People can walk through and walk out and not even know that the, the fence is damaged or there's broken palings or it's a bit loose. Walk around, shake that fence, give it a give it a good um, work over to make sure it is solid. But even palings, like just to go around and have that handyman guy that's doing the service or if you do it yourself, just go around with a bucket of nails and just nail the palings back on again if you can keep those palings on there the longer they're there the less damage they'll cause and once you leave them and one or two start to go you'll probably find that they'll all go really quickly then you're up for a whole new fence mm. um, and that's where your dollars start to, to dig in your in your back pocket and you start to hand out money over little things so even though they're a simple thing fences retaining walls keep an eye on them, make sure they're they're neat and tidy and make sure they're solid
0: And so the final two minimum housing standards that have been prescribed um, are adequate plumbing and drainage and a functioning kitchen and laundry. Now, some may think that this is common sense stuff for a landlord to provide these things. But, um, you know, based on the condition of some of the properties that we have inspected, um, you would be surprised at um, the condition that some properties are in. So, again, things to keep in mind for, for plumbing and drainage that's maintained adequately, Scott.
1: Yeah, we can't live without it. Um, the plumbing and drainage, I definitely, you know, when we go and do our inspections, we run taps, make sure the hot water is running, cold water is running, check your hand in underneath the drains, make sure it's all draining away really well. Um, we have a bit more time, obviously, the building and pest inspections. We have about an hour there as opposed to a 15 minute um, property inspection. But you use the time you can just to check things and you can literally open up. If you don't have the time, just uh, you can open the cupboard and have a look at the drain, see if there's any marks underneath it, see if it feels wet. That'll take you a couple of seconds just to make sure everything's okay. Flush the toilets, all those types of things. We make sure you can actually have, you can pick up signs of things that are not working right um, just by walking through the house. You can get an idea of it. Um, The other one with the kitchen one as well, I did talk on the sealant in the, in the showers and the bathrooms. Kitchen bench tops, make sure the sealant is all neat and tidy around them. That's another area we always recommend to do. Um, quite often, how often do you spill a cup or you spill some water or something in the kitchen, goes on the kitchen bench. If it goes down behind that gap in the kitchen bench, goes down into your cabinet work, straight into that that particle board or malamine, whatever it is that they've used, um, and it can swell and damage you. Then you're up upholding your cabinets.
0: Yeah, so it's, um, for, for those that don't know, the sealant in a kitchen is generally between the kitchen bench top and the splashback area. Um, and it's there for a purpose to stop any spills going down into the back of the cabinetry. Now, of course, that's where we often see mould issues as well. Um, but we often see that that sealant is missing altogether. So it's really important that that is in place just to maintain what lies below.
1: And in around your sink. Sometimes, depending on the type of sink, if it's, a, if it's a surface mount, a lot of them now they do the under mount, but if it's the ones that sit on top, just make sure that sealant's done around the top there as well. Again, it's another little area where water can get in and water and timber don't tend to get on very well.
0: So that's it for um, the the minimum housing standards and I hope that the tips that we've provided have been useful to help you understand the new laws that are coming into effect that will impact you as a property investor if you already own property but also if you are looking to buy property here in Brisbane. Um, These laws are Queensland wide so they only apply in our state so if you are not familiar with those we suggest that you look them up. It's the Housing Legislation Amendment Act for 2021 and full details of the minimum housing standards that will apply are listed um, when you look those details up. So I hope that's been useful to give you a snapshot view of the laws that are coming into effect and what you can do to ensure that any properties that you own or that you buy between now and then are compliant.
1: So I could have probably rambled on for a lot longer today, but look, that, that's just a few things that we do look at. Some of the some of the simple things that we do have a, have a look at to make sure that uh, properties are low maintenance and it saves our clients money. Um, there are a lot more things that we do go through. Um, as I say, I could probably ramble on for a lot longer when it comes to these types of things. But um, the, the biggest tip I've probably got on it is just keep your maintenance up to date. Um, the more you, The more those little things you do regularly along the way, the less it's going to cost you in those big dollars down the track so that's my tip for everyone um, as usual i will let melinda wrap it up it's been great talking again and um, we'll chat again next week thanks very much bye for now
0: yeah thanks for joining us again and i hope you've enjoyed this episode and if you have please don't forget to leave us a review and tell your friends and family about our podcast so that they too can benefit from the information that we share i hope you have a fantastic week and we look forward to chatting with you again soon bye for now